everyone. Welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And I'm super excited for this live reading we're about to do. And Paige, you got a big storm coming. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Okay, well, before we started recording, Paige called this the, quote, what's new, what's good section. I didn't realize I called it that that much, but now I feel so conscious. What's good, what's new? Well, I I did one of my favorite activities of all time yesterday. I went to the bookstore, and I spent almost $90 on books. What all did you get? Um, So... I went with Danny, and I feel like he sways me a certain way. He took me to the manga section, and I got a bunch of manga. That's awesome. Is it anything, like, I would recognize? Probably not. Um, well, I got some Pokemon stuff. Um, I'm obsessed with Sailor Moon, so I got a Sailor Moon manga. And I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's kind of popular. It's um, Attack on Titan. I started watching it with Danny, and it's freaking intense, and I love it. And so I was like, I'll try, I'll try the reading part because maybe it'll make me appreciate the show even more. Nice. I like that. Um, really trying to think of something interesting to share in my life. <laughs> Are you cooking anything, crockpotting anything for dinner tonight? I have to eat dinner at like 9 p.m. because my boyfriend's coming over and he doesn't get home until then. But I'm making this asparagus pasta. So that'll be good. Hmm. Does your pee smell? I don't know if this is if this is TMI or if you want to share or not. But can you smell your pee when you eat asparagus? I have heard that that I don't know if I should call it a myth, but I have never noticed a difference. Well, it's actually a gene. Apparently, if you have the gene that you can smell it or you don't, because I always thought that everyone did it, and then re- relatively recently, I found out that it's not everyone can, and that it's a gene. Okay, so everyone's pee smells, but only some people can smell it? Is that what you're saying? Yes. That's interesting. That kind of thing always blows my mind, like how there's colors that we can't see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it also reminds me of, I'm I'm sure you, you know about it, but like in forensics, arsenic poisoning is supposedly smells like bitter almonds. So I think it's like that, like some people can smell it and some people can't. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, well, we've had a pretty run-of-the-mill week. I mean, we've kind of just been doing this for like six weeks in a row now. We're, we are going to take a break for the American Thanksgiving, but that's not for a couple of weeks yet. Um, when y'all are hearing this, it's going to be our Netflix party in a couple days. So you only have a couple days left if you want to become a patron or a donor to join us, Paige and I, in watching Twilight. It's technically not the first time Paige has seen it, but like Lucid Paige, it's the first time she will have seen it. Sentient Paige, if you will. <laughs> and we'll just be chatting and everything. So um, patrons that are already patrons, we're going to post the link on Patreon. And then if you're a donor and you send us proof of your donation to move to higher ground, we'll just DM you on whatever you DM'd us. We'll get you the link. 5 p.m. on November 19th, and that's 5 p.m. Mountain Time. And you can be a donor at for as little as you want to be, like literally a dollar. We'll get you into this all-access VIP 
inclusive, exclusive, uh, what's it called when you go to a resort and everything's included? All-inclusive. All yeah. It's it's going to be all-inclusive, okay? And all you need is a dollar for it, so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I just want to commiserate with people that are not hearing this live, but friend of the pod Caroline and I for the last like three months have been watching the Hulu show. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. It was very popular when it came out. Cruel Summer. Well, actually it was on Freeform, but now it's on Hulu. And the ending was fucking terrible. <laughs> like, I know. I From what I've seen on Reddit, a lot of people liked it. I'm not one of those people. And neither is Caroline. So if you want to discuss the ending with me, hit me up because I, Caroline and I need someone to commiserate with because we're angry online. I haven't seen it, so I cannot commiserate. But the word commiserate always makes me think of Blink-182. That's fair. It was so, like, everything was wrapping up so nicely and there was a happy song playing. And then literally in the last 30 seconds, they threw in a twist ending that just, like, basically shat on everything that had just happened. Damn. Mila just expressed her displeasure as well. <laughs> Paige is holding Tina and she just does not look happy about it. I was trying to get her to put her two cents in, but it's like she knows that I want her to do that, so she won't. Yeah. You gotta act like you don't want them to come near you or talk or whatever, and that's when they'll do it. I'll kiss her head, though. I'll do it. I was telling Paige earlier that it feels like I'm in Jaws right now because there are two hungry cats just circling me because the time change means that they get fed, quote unquote, later than they normally do. And they're so mad about it. And so I'm just like kind of dealing with it. So if you hear them, just know that I'm suffering. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I'm literally cradling Tina like a baby right now because she needs to be comforted. In her time of starvation. They act like we're going to, like, forget and just never feed them again. Cat, cat owners who listen, I've asked everyone this. No one has an answer for me. Tina is an orange cat, and if you lived with or know an orange cat, you will know that they are the most talkative of the cat colors. They just, they're very loud. She has a lot to say. And when it's remotely close to dinner time or breakfast time or if it's not remotely close to feeding time she screams at me to feed her and how do I communicate to her that I'm feeding her because I have to and because it's my job as her mother not because she's screaming she didn't she's not making me do it like what she's doing is not helping the situation I'm just doing it because I'm doing it I want her to know that. I want her to know that she doesn't have to keep screaming every day for me to remember to do it. Yeah. You know, people always, like, do that icebreaker of what is one thing you could tell your pet, or you would tell your pet if you could talk to them. And I feel like that would be yours. Yeah, mine would be, like, please stop stepping on my boobs while I'm trying to sleep. Yep. Well... This week, Paige read about six pages of chapter 18. <laughs> Not really, it was like 10 or something. But what did you think of what you read so far? What do you think is going to happen next? Um, 
I mean, honestly, the little bit that I did read is par for the course of New Moon. Fighting, but making up. Jacob insulting the vampires. Bella crying. You know, it's it's was all the same, you know. But it was kind of where I stopped was left off on something of a cliffhanger. Like, are they going to kiss? Are they not going to kiss? I got the vibe that they were going to kiss. Because the very last line is like Bella's, Bella says, I'm undecided. I still, I haven't made this decision yet. I don't know what's going to happen. I just feel like it's going to happen. I feel like that a kiss is around the corner. I think that there's going to be some romance in this chapter. However, the chapter is still called a funeral. So I don't really know what is going to happen to lead to that. Maybe they're going to kiss and like, it's going to ruin everything. And it's sort of an end to the friendship that they have. Or maybe they're not going to kiss and it's still going to ruin everything and it's going to be an end to the friendship. I don't know. But I feel like there's going to be some kind of closure of something because a funeral makes me... A funeral is usually the bookend of a major life event. Like the funeral is where people get closure into into someone's death, you know? So maybe it's going to be literal and have something to do with Harry Clearwater's funeral, but I have a suspicion that it's not. So we'll see. Okay. Well, let's just go over the few pages that you read. I just had a couple notes from them. So the last chapter left off with um, the doorbell ringing at Bella's house and Alice predicted that it, well, she didn't predict, she said she thought it might be Jacob because she hadn't been able to predict it using her powers. And so Bella opens the door and it is Jacob. And she sees that Jared and Embry are waiting for him in the car. And he is just immediately hostile. So they kind of just start out by fighting. So Jacob goes in, but he's like very wary of going in. And Bella calls him a chicken, which I think is kind of rude. <laughs> I I thought that Bella was kind of super rude this whole time. Like, you know how deadly vampires can be. And also, you know, kind of the reputation, not reputation, but what the vampires are to the Quileutes. So, yeah, he's, I think it's rightful for him to have some hesitations in this situation. He's going in alone to what could possibly be a very hostile situation. How are you not a little more afraid that you're hanging out with an entire family of vampires, Bella? I... That's what I got to say about that. Yeah, we don't all have monster fetishes. That is a very astute point. So Jacob then says that he doesn't like having to be there, being Bella's house, which is rough. But, I mean, he's keeping it real. And he says that he's just there to ask a couple questions and that him and the others have to get back for Harry's funeral. And so he does ask his questions. He, you know, he says, one of, one of the clones is staying here with you. How long is she here? Bella says, as long as she wants to be. And then Jacob asks her to explain to Alice what's happening with Victoria. And Bella says she already has. And then he asks if the rest of the clones are coming back. And Bella says no. And he's just acting like very, like, basically business professional about it and it's really irritating Bella so um you know she's just being like very standoffish towards him 
And she says, well, run along now. Go tell Sam that the scary monsters aren't coming to get you. Just piggybacking off of what I said earlier, another kind of rude thing that Bella says, you are the outlier in the human vampire relationships, Bella. Not everyone is as lucky as you to have met the vegetarian vampires. Like, pretty much every other, I'm assuming every other vampire is a dangerous creature. So maybe don't be such a dick about calling, like, oh, the cones are so scary. Well, if you look at the track record of vampirism, maybe you wouldn't be so smug. Okay, Bella? Okay. Agreed. And also, it's literally in Jacob's genetics to be, like, their enemy. Yeah, I I feel like, like, humans kind of have this reaction with other predators. Like, the reason that we get spooked when we see, like, big spiders or snakes is because we literally evolved knowing that these are dangerous creatures and that we should be wary of them. That's the same thing about werewolves. Like, they, I'm sure it's in their genetic makeup to be wary and be a little on edge around vampires because they're dangerous, you know? They are scary monsters to them. It's called natural selection, baby. Natural selection. Ever heard of Darwin? Hmm? Ever heard of him? (laughs) oh my god that's funny um this is not related to anything at all but i'm rewatching one tree hill and because there's a new podcast about it where they're going over it episode by episode and it's one of my favorite shows anyways so i'm just rewatching it <laughs> one of the characters in this last episode that they're going to cover next week she is like searching on her boyfriend's computer about charles darwin because she's writing a paper about him and she sees that in his, when she tries to type Darwin, this porn site comes up because it's in his history and it's called like Dirty Sluts or something like that. And it made me laugh literally so hard. <laughs> you have to be a little more specific, baby, in your porn. Like there's dirty sluts in all facets of pornography. You got to be more specific. Truly. So funny. Okay. So Bella thinks that Jacob has left. So she starts crying um, because she thinks that she's alone. And she makes this remark. This is on page 408. What a disaster. How could I have alienated him so completely in such a short amount of time? And then later on, she says, what could I have done differently? I mean, what do you think she could have done differently other than be nicer and like consider Jacob's feelings? Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that may have stop this situation altogether would be to maybe just stay away from Jacob in the first place. Like if you knew that he had these feelings for you and that if you knew that he had such antipathy towards vampires as a whole, like, I mean, she could have just stopped seeing him. I mean, I mean, that would have been devastating for her in a completely new way, but like getting as deeply involved as she did with Jacob, she was going to get her in some way, you know, I, I'm not sure if there was really anything she could have done to avoid the situation. Maybe she could have just not, maybe she could have listened to Jacob and not gotten out of the car when they saw the Cullen's car there that could have stopped this, but then she probably would have died internally knowing that there was a Cullen at her house and she didn't know who or why they were there. Any way, you, any way you slice it, it seems like Bella's getting fucked. Yep. That's true. Couldn't agree more. 
So it turns out Jacob hasn't left, and he's just been standing in the doorway like a creep. <laughs> and so he realizes how upset she is, and he apologizes. And he says, I knew how you felt about them. It shouldn't have taken me by surprise like that. And um, Bella asks him if, like, she can he can wait for Alice to leave town, basically, and, like, still be her friend, <laughs> which is kind of fucked up because... She says, can't I be friends with both with you both at the same time? And Jacob is like, no. <laughs> I I think that it's it's not interesting. I think that it was a good a good use of words on Stephanie's part. So Bella had asked, can't they be friends at the same time? You'll still be my friend, even though I love Alice, too. I didn't look up, afraid to see what he'd think of that last part. It took him a minute to answer. So I was probably right not to look. Yeah, I'll always be your friend, he said gruffly, no matter what you love. Jacob could have said who you love, but he said what you love. And I feel like it really shows that Jacob does not see the Cullens or vampires in general as, like, people or, like, beings. He sees them as, like, objects or, like, lifeless lifeless things. Like, he sees them as inanimately, I guess. So I thought it was a good word choice. Yeah, it is. It's also tea. <laughs> That's funny. So they're just kind of standing there talking about how much it sucks. And Jacob's saying, you know, I'll miss you. I hope she leaves soon. And Bella's saying she doesn't like the way that things are. And then we've all had this moment, or at least most of us have probably had this moment. There's just this this little threshold that they cross where then it's like, wait, are you going to kiss? <laughs> and so Jacob is kind of going for it like he puts his hand on hands on her face and Bella is just like kind of frozen in indecision um and then she's kind of having the same thoughts that she was having in the last chapter that we covered last week where you know she's saying like he's not he doesn't belong to me but he could which by the way people never belong to you even if you're in a relationship with them just remember that kids anyway (laughs) she says you know he's She says, he was my comfort, my safe harbor. And then she's saying, you know, Edward's never coming back. Um, This isn't like a quote-unquote fairy tale romance. (laughs) But um, maybe I could still, like, do it. Like, maybe I I wouldn't be betraying anyone besides myself. And then the last sentence on that page, (laughs) that page read was, Keeping his eyes on mine, Jacob began to bend his face toward me, and I was still absolutely undecided. I didn't even really mean to leave you on that much of a cliffhanger. It was just a good place to stop. <laughs> I feel like an asshole. It's okay. I mean, it it was it was a good place to stop because I mean, I know something's a, it's something's coming, you know, and this is a good way to let that anticipation build. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, do you have anything you wanted to go over before we start into the live reading? I mean, I guess my last point is that um, it really stuck out to me when Jacob and her are chatting, answering, she's answering his questions and he asks if the rest of the Collins are coming back. And I feel like it's pretty obvious what he's getting at there. And she just says, no, they're not coming back. And to me, that was him saying, is Edward coming back? And Bella verbally saying no he's not coming back and then this last paragraph before the chapter ends it or not the chapters my section that i was reading ends it reads 
Alice was back for the moment, but that changed nothing. True love was lost forever. The prince was never coming back to kiss me awake from my enchanted sleep. I feel like that's it in total why I feel like this is leading up to a kiss. I feel like in a way this is Bella kind of admitting to herself and confronting like, yeah, nothing is happening with Edward. I have to like I have to get over that hump and here I have an opportunity to do that. So to me, it seemed like like it was leading up to her giving in and seeing what el- what other opportunities are there for love for her out there, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, starting on page 412, here we go. The shrill ring of the phone made us both jump, but it did not break his focus. He took his hand from under my chin and reached over over me to grab the receiver, but still held my face securely with the hand against my cheek. His dark eyes did not free mine. I was too muddled to react, even to take advantage of the distraction. Swan residence, Jacob said, his husky voice low and intense. Someone answered, and Jacob altered in an instant. He straightened up, and his hand dropped from my face. His eyes went flat, his face blank and I would have bet the measly remainder of my college fund that it was Alice. I recovered myself and held out my hand for the phone. Jacob ignored me. He's not here, Jacob said, and the words were menacing. There was some very short reply, a request for more information, it seemed, because he added unwillingly, he's at the funeral. Then Jacob hung up the phone. Filthy bloodsucker, he muttered under his breath. The face he turned back to me was the bitter mask again. Who did you just hang up on? I gasped, infuriated. In my house and on my phone. Easy, he hung up on me. He, who was it? He sneered the title, Dr. Carlisle Cohen. Why didn't you let me talk to him? He didn't ask for you, Jacob said coldly. His face was smooth, expressionless, but his hands shook. He asked where Charlie was and I told him. I don't think I broke any rules of etiquette. You listen to me, Jacob Black but he obviously wasn't listening. He looked quickly over his shoulder as if someone had called his name from the other room. His eyes went wide and his body stiff. Then he started trembling. I listened to automatically, but heard nothing. Bye, Bells, he spit out and wheeled toward the front door. I ran after him. What is it? And then I ran into him as he rocked back on his heels, cussing under his breath. He spun around again, knocking me sideways. I bobbled and fell to the floor, my legs tangled with his. Shoot, ow, I protested as he hurriedly jerked his legs free one at a time. I struggled to pull myself up as he darted for the back door. He suddenly froze again. Alice stood motionless at the foot of the stairs. Bella, she choked. I scrambled to my feet and lurched to her side. Her eyes were dazed and far away, her face drawn and wider than bone. Her slim body trembled to an inner turmoil. Alice, what's wrong? I cried. I put my hands on her face, trying to calm her. Her eyes focused on mine abruptly, wide with pain. Edward was all she whispered. My body reacted faster than my mind was able to catch up with the implications of her reply. I didn't at first understand why the room was spinning or where the hollow roar in my ears was coming from. My mind labored, unable to make sense of Alice's bleak face and how it could possibly relate to Edward, while my body was already swaying, seeking the relief of unconsciousness before the reality could hit me. The stairway tilted at the oddest angle. Jacob's furious voice was suddenly in my ear, hissing out a stream of profanities. I felt a vague disapproval. His new friends were clearly a a bad influence. I was on the couch without understanding how I got there, 
and Jacob was still swearing. It felt like there was an earthquake. The couch was shaking underneath me. What did you do to her? He demanded. Alice ignored him. Bella, Bella, snap out of it. We have to hurry. Stay back, Jacob warned. Calm down, Jacob Black, Alice ordered. You don't want to do that so close to her. I don't think I'll have any problem keeping my focus, he retorted, but his voice sounded a little cooler. Alice, my voice was weak. What happened? I asked, even though I didn't want to hear. I don't know, she suddenly wailed. What is he thinking? I labored to pull myself up despite the dizziness. I realized it was Jacob's arm that I was gripping for balance. He was the one shaking, not the couch. Alice was pulling a small silver phone from her bag when my eyes relocated her. Her fingers dialed the numbers so fast they were a blur. Rose, I need to talk to Carlisle now. Her voice whipped through the words. Fine, as soon as he's back. No, I'll be on a plane. Listen, have you heard anything from Edward? Alice paused now, listening with an expression that grew more appalled every second. Her mouth opened into a little O of horror and the phone shook in her hand. Why, she gasped. Why would you do that, Rosalie? Whatever the answer was, it made her jaw tighten in anger. Her eyes flashed and narrowed. Well, you're wrong on both counts, though, Rosalie, so that would be a problem, don't you think? She asked acidly. Yes, that's right. She's absolutely fine. I was wrong. It's a long story, but you're wrong about that part, too. That's why I'm calling. Yes, that's exactly what I saw. Alice's voice was very hard, and her lips were, her lips were pulled back from her teeth. It's a bit late for that, Rose. Save your remorse for someone who believes it. Alice snapped the phone shut with a sharp twist of her fingers. Her eyes were tortured as she turned to face me. Alice, I blurted out quickly. I couldn't let her speak yet. I needed a few more seconds before she spoke and her words destroyed what was left of my life. Alice, Carlisle's back though. He just called before. She stared at me blankly. How long ago, she asked in a hollow voice. Half a minute before you showed up. What did he say? She was really focused now, waiting for my answer. I didn't talk to him. My eyes flickered to Jacob. Alice turned her penetrating gaze on him. He flinched, but held his place next to me. He sat awkwardly, almost as if he were trying to shield me with his body. He asked for Charlie, and I told him Charlie wasn't here, Jacob muttered resentfully. Is that everything? Alice demanded, her voice like ice. Then he hung up on me, Jacob spit back. A tremor rolled down his spine, shaking me with it. You told him Charlie was at the funeral, I reminded him. Alice jerked his, her head back toward me. What were his exact words? He said, he's not here. And when Carlisle asked where Charlie was, Jacob said, at the funeral. Alice moaned and sank to her knees. Tell me, Alice, I whispered. That wasn't Carlisle on the phone, she said hopelessly. Are you calling me a liar? Jacob snarled from beside me. Alice ignored him, focusing on my bewildered face. It was Edward. The words were just a choke, choked whisper. He thinks you're dead. My mind started to work again. These words weren't the ones I'd been afraid of, and the relief cleared my head. Rosalie told him I killed myself, didn't she? I said, sighing as I relaxed. Yes, Alice admitted, her eyes flashing hard again. In her defense, she did believe it. They rely on my sight far too much for something that works so imperfectly. But for her to track him down to tell him this, didn't she realize or care? Her voice faded away in horror. And when Edward called here, he thought Jacob meant my funeral, I realized. It stung to know how close I'd been, just inches away from his voice. My nails stung into Jacob's arm, but he didn't flinch. Alice looked at me strangely. You're not upset, she whispered. 
Well, it's really rotten timing, but it will all get straightened out. The next time he calls, someone will tell him what really I trailed off. Her gaze strangled the words in my throat. Why was she so panicked? Why was her face twisting now with pity and horror? What was it she had said to Rosalie on the phone just now? Something about what she'd seen and Rosalie's remorse. Rosalie would never feel remorse for anything that that happened to me. But if she'd hurt her family, hurt her brother. Bella, Alice whispered, Edward won't call again. He believed her. I don't understand. My mouth framed each word in silence. I couldn't push the air out to actually say the words that would make her explain what that meant. He's going to Italy. It took the length of one heartbeat for me to comprehend. When Edward's voice came back to me now, it was not the perfect imitation of my delusions. It was just the weak, flat tone of my memories. But the words alone were enough to shred through my chest and leave it gaping open. Words from a time when I would have bet everything that I owned or could borrow on the fact that he loved me. Well, I wasn't going to live without you, he'd said as we watched Romeo and Juliet die here in this very room. But I wasn't sure how to do it. I knew Emmett and Jasper would never help. So I was thinking maybe I would go to Italy and do something to provoke the Volturi. You don't irritate them. Not unless you want to die. Not unless you want to die. No, the half-shrieked denial was so loud after the whispered words, it made us all jump. I felt the blood rushing to my face as I realized what she'd seen. No, 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 he can't, he can't do that. He made up his mind as soon as your friend confirmed that it was too late to save you. But he, he left, he didn't want me anymore. What difference does it make now? He knew I would die sometime. I don't think he ever planned to outlive you by long, Alice said quietly. How dare he, I screamed. I was on my feet now, and Jacob rose uncertainly to put himself between Alice and me again. Oh, get out of the way, Jacob. I elbowed my way around his trembling body with desperate impatience. What do we do? I begged Alice. There had to be something. Can't we call him? Can Carlisle? She was shaking her head. That was the first thing I tried. He left his phone in a trash can in Rio. Someone answered it, she whispered. You said before we had to hurry. Hurry how? Let's do it, whatever it is. Bella, I... I don't think I can ask you to, she trailed off in indecision. Ask me, I commanded. She put her hands on my shoulders, holding me in place, her fingers flexing sporadically to emphasize her words. We may already be too late. I saw him going to the Volturi and asking to die. We both cringed and suddenly my, we both cringed and my eyes were suddenly blind. I blinked feverishly at the tears. It all depends on what they choose. I can't see that till they make a decision. But if they say no, and they might, Arrow is fond of Carlisle and wouldn't want to offend him. Edward has a backup plan. They're very protective of their city. If Edward does something to upset the peace, he'll think, he thinks they'll act to stop him. And he's right, they will. I stared at her with my jaw clenched in frustration. I'd heard nothing yet that would explain why we were still standing here. So if they agree to grant his favor, we're too late. If they say no, and he comes up with a plan to offend them quickly enough, we're too late. If he gives into his more theatrical tendencies, we might have time. Let's go. Listen, Bella, whether we are in time or not, we will be in the heart of the Volturi city. I will be considered his accomplice if he is successful. You will be a human who not only knows too much, but also smells too good. There's a very good chance that they will eliminate us all, though in your case, it won't be punishment so much as dinner time. This is what's keeping us here, I asked in disbelief. I'll go alone if you're afraid. I mentally tabulated what money was left in my account and wondered if Alice would lend me the rest. 
I'm only afraid of getting you killed. I snorted in disgust. I almost get myself killed on a daily basis. Tell me what I need to do. You write a note to Charlie. I'll call, call the airlines. Charlie, I gasped. Not that my presence was protecting him, but could I leave him here alone to face? I'm not going to let anything happen to Charlie. Jacob's low voice was gruff and angry. Screw the treaty. I glanced up at him and he scowled at my panic expression. Hurry, Bella, Alice interrupted urgently. I ran to the kitchen, yanking the drawers open and throwing the contents all over the floor as I searched for a pen. A smooth brown hand held one out to me. Thanks, I mumbled, pulling the cap off with my teeth. He silently handed me the pad of paper we wrote phone messages on. I tore off the top sheet and threw it over my shoulder. Dad, I wrote, I'm with Alice. Edward's in trouble. You can ground me when I get back. I know it's a bad time. So sorry. Love you so much, Bella. Don't go, Jacob whispered. The anger was all gone now that Alice was out of sight. I wasn't about to waste time arguing with him. Please, please, please take care of Charlie, I said as I dashed back out to the front room. Alice was waiting in the doorway with a bag over her shoulder. Get your wallet. You'll need ID. Please tell me you have a passport. I don't have time to forge one. I nodded and then raced up the stairs, my knees weak with gratitude that my mother had wanted to marry Phil on a beach in Mexico. Of course, like all her plans, it had fallen through, but not before I'd made all the practical arrangements I could for her. I tore through the room. I stuffed my old wallet, a clean t-shirt, and sweatpants into my backpack and then threw my toothbrush on top. I hurled myself back down the stairs. The sense of deja vu was nearly stifling by this point. At least, unlike the last time, when I'd run away from Forks to escape thirsty vampires rather than to find them, I wouldn't have to say goodbye to Charlie in person. Jacob and Alice were locked in some kind of confrontation in front of the open door, standing so far, far apart you wouldn't assume at first that they were having a conversation. Neither one seemed to notice my noisy reappearance. You might control yourself on occasion, but these leeches you're taking her to, Jacob was furiously accusing her. Yes, you're right, dog. Alice was snarling too. The Volturi are the very essence of our kind. They're the reason your hair stands on end when you smell me. They're the substance of your nightmares, the dread behind your instincts. I'm not unaware of that. And you take her to them like a bottle of wine for a party, he shouted. You'd think she'd be better off if I left her here alone with Victoria stalking her? We can handle the redhead. Then why is she still hunting? Jacob growled and a shudder rippled through his torso. Stop that, I shouted at them both, wild with impatience. Argue when we get back, let's go. Alice turned for the car, disappearing in her haste. I hurried after her, pausing automatically to turn and lock the door. Jacob caught my arm with a shivering hand. Please, Bella, I'm begging. His dark eyes were glistening with tears. A lump filled my throat. Jake, I have to. You don't, though. You really don't. You could stay here with me. You could stay alive. For Charlie. For me. The engine of Carlyle's Mercedes purred, the rhythm of the thrumming spiked when Alice revved it impatiently. I shook my head, tears spattering from my eyes with a sharp motion. I pulled my arm free, and he didn't fight me. Don't die, Bella, he choked out. Don't go. Don't. What if I never saw him again? The thought pushed me past the silent tears. A sob broke out from my chest. I threw my arms around his waist and hugged for one too short moment, burying my tear-wet face against his chest. He put his big hand on the back of my hair as if to hold me there. Bye, Jake. I pulled his hand from my hair and kissed his palm. I couldn't bear to look at his face. Sorry, I whispered. Then I spun and raced for the car. The door on the passenger side was open and waiting. 
I threw my backpack over the headrest and slid in, slamming the door behind me. Take care of Charlie, I turned to shout out the window, but Jacob was nowhere in sight. As Alice stomped on the gas and, with the trees screeching like human screams, spun us around to face the road, I caught sight of a shred of white near the edge of the trees, a piece of shoe. Oh, brother. I would have never predicted that. N- never, never predicted it. When the phone rang and it was Carlisle, I was like, okay, this is weird. Like, when when I found out it was a male, I was like, who's he? Who is this he that Jacob's talking to? Carlisle. Okay, that's a little weird. Something clearly must be up if Carlisle's calling. And then Rosalie calls. And, you know we're we're not made to like Rosalie as readers we're not supposed to like her and girl knows she done fucked up if she if Rosalie is having regrets if Rosalie is feeling bad you know she done fucked up so I'm like oh shit what's going on now and when I found out when when you said that Carlisle was not on the phone I was like oh my god this is like some kind of trick from uh, Victoria. Someone is throwing their voice to find out Charlie's location so that they can come and kill Bella. And it's fucking Edward. I my, I think that that was when my jaw hit the ground. I don't know if you saw. I was like, what the fuck? I, I guess I just like didn't. I wasn't expecting Edward to keep tabs like this. I mean, I guess I guess it's not super uncharacteristic. And, like, we don't, we're not really getting a lot of Edward's perspective in this book at all. So I guess I kind of just, like, not that I forgot about him, but I just, I didn't really think that he was that invested or that much of a character in this book. But as it turns out, it appears to be that the climax of the story is going to be Edward related. So I I guess all in all, summary wise, I was not expecting that. Bella's going to Italy. I have no memory of this. No memory of this at all, quite frankly. And if I remember the prologue of this book, Bella is like running to save someone. I wonder if that's Edward. I wonder if, like, she's running, like, in Italy to save him. Like, I- am I remembering that correctly? Like, the prologue is, like, it's very vague. And we. I'm pretty sure we know it's Bella. And she's, like, going to save someone. Like, the clock is ticking or something like that. Like, I, I wonder if it's something to do with what's coming up in Italy. You are correct. That is the prologue. Um and yes, I did see her jaw drop, and it was very funny. <laughs> um, why do you think he cares so much? I, I think that he... It's not that he stopped loving Bella. I never thought that he just, like, stopped loving her. He left because he knew being in her life was bad for her. So he... So he just removed himself from the situation and the Cullens from the situation. So, you know, I've been in that situation. I've not that specific situation, but I've been in a situation where like I've told someone that I have feelings for them 
and they say, hey, I don't feel the same way, sorry, that doesn't mean I automatically stop having feelings for them. It takes a while for those feelings to stop. So like, even though he left, I could totally see him not being able to keep his mind off of her. I mean, let's look at Midnight Sun. He spent like a hundred pages talking about, I'm not going to think about her. I'm not going to think about her. And then somehow he ends up in her bedroom. Like he, when his mind is on something, he, I feel like he's just the kind of person where it just will not leave until something happens. You know, I, I could totally see him this whole like six month period, even though he's not around. Bella is still in the forefront of his mind. And I mean, what else does he have going on? He has literally an eternity to do whatever he wants. So like time is meaningless to him. So what are six months thinking about Bella? It's nothing to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple things that were in this section that I just wanted to point out super quick. Um, first, and you can have your book back page if you want. Um, first on page 412, this is like such a dumb small thing, but I wanted to point it out. Um, when Jacob answers the phone, he says Swan Residence, Jacob said, his husky voice low and intense. And it just made me think of morning voices, which I feel like we don't talk about enough as a human being species. Men's morning voices are my favorite sound ever. <laughs> I think husky, is it a pun, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. Um, this was not the next point. It was my third point, but we're going to go there. I actually thought about not even reading this line because it made me so uncomfortable to have to say, um, page 421 at the bottom, Alice calls Jacob a dog. And this is a thing that will happen throughout their interactions, the interactions between the Quileutes and the Collins through the rest of these books. And that is an extremely racialized term. Um, to me, it's basically, I mean, obviously it's not like on the level of something like the N-word, but it's definitely a racial slur that throughout history has been used to refer to people of color and make them, you know, basically refer to them as lesser than human. So just wanted to make sure I called that part out. Yeah, I 100% I get that. I I feel like like dog is also an insult a lot in like Shakespearean language. I feel like I remember that being something that happens a lot in Shakespeare. And I mean, it makes sense. Like dogs are not humans. They're, they're like a quote unquote, like a step down. Like they're not as smart. They're an animal. Like it makes sense that it would be used as a slur for the vampires talking to the Quileute people. It 100% makes sense. Yeah. Not to belittle the situation at all, I definitely agree with you, but hearing that line read, my brain heard Randy Jackson when he's like, it's a no from me, dog. Like, I didn't hear D-O-G, I heard D-A-W-G, and it made me chuckle, but then I was like, that's not what's happening right now. That's not, Alice would never say that. And also that's not what's happening. God, that's so funny. <laughs> Shout out Randy Jackson. Love that guy. He's probably done something problematic that I don't know about. I'm sure people will let me know. Um, 
the last point I had from this little section that we just read is on page 419 when Alice is basically laying out the timeline for Bella and she says you know like if they're gonna kill him right away we're too late if he's just gonna do something real super quick we're too late if he gives into his more theatrical tendencies we might have time I'm like Edward being theatrical well I never I don't know if you saw me literally laugh out loud without like really doing it it made me go like it made me guffaw if you will yeah I mean this is Edward we're talking about I I could see the man maybe leaning into a theatrical sign I could see it maybe (laughs) I think that was pretty much all I had from this little section I mean obviously she has severely damaged, if not destroyed, her relationship with Jacob by choosing to do this. He's being really good about it by, like, helping her write the note and, like, saying that he'll take care of Charlie. But, yeah, he's very upset. Yeah, I I definitely feel really bad for Jacob. And, I mean, maybe it's because his family has been so close with Charlie that he feels inclined to make sure that he's safe. But I feel like Jacob is just, you know, he's a good guy in this sense that he wouldn't want the the father of someone that he cares for, someone that he cares for, one of the people that they care so much for, he wouldn't want them to get hurt. And even though he's hurt, I feel like he wouldn't want Bella to get hurt in this way, even though it seems like she's hurting him over and over again. Jacob just strikes me as the kind of guy that would want to keep those in his circle and those loved by those in his circle safe. Yeah, definitely. And I also just think that he's a good guy in general and would like try to, he would obviously be trying to protect people from Victoria in general. Like he probably, like if he didn't know Charlie, he obviously wouldn't have such like a close radar on him, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it did kind of like rub me a little bit on the on the wrong way that Bella just she I mean she doesn't do it offhand she you know Jacob lets her know like I'll keep Charlie safe but as they're driving away like she doesn't say like be safe Jacob like you know thank you so much for everything like she just shouts keep Charlie safe and then they speed away it just like again it reminds me of when they pull up and Carlisle's car is outside and Bella just immediately throws everything out the window that Jacob has been doing for her to just risk everything to see who it is. Like, it just seems like Bella has completely forgotten all the sacrifices Jacob has been making and it's just kind of using him for what he can do for her, I guess. It just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, me too. And that's been a real trend with Bella. This book is just using people for what she needs them for, basically. Yeah. And I I also wonder, like, if that phone call hadn't come through, like, would they have kissed? And what would that have led to? You know, I, I don't think it would have led to anything healthy. I think First of all, I think Bella is digging herself into a deeper hole. I mean, she made some she she made some strides 
in getting over Edward these past couple months, but everything is out the window now. And like, if that phone call hadn't happened and she had kissed Jacob, I feel like her reliance on him would just have been amplified. And I don't think she would have done any healing. I don't know. It just, I, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Pretty much everyone in these books needs to go to therapy. Yeah, definitely. Can you imagine if they had kissed and then the phone rang? <laughs> Fuck. I, Stephanie, I can't, I, don't do that to me, Stephanie. Don't do it. I'm honestly surprised that she didn't. Um, question for you. Why do you think that Alice needs Bella to come along so bad? Like, why can't Alice just go? Well, I, she kind of mentions that if she were to go by herself, the Volturi would kind of know that she's there and know their association and hold her culpable as well as Edward for whatever he has planned. So I feel like she probably has some fear of the Volturi as well. I mean, she probably knows what they're capable of. And, you know, she probably knows how Edward feels. And even though she loves him, knows that in his mind, Bella is dead and he's never going to recover from this. She knows how much of a bummer he's been the past hundred years without her. And now that he's experienced her and she's dead, how much of a bummer he's going to be for eternity on. So maybe in her mind, she's like, I mean, maybe this is what he needs. And I, I, I can't really stop that train from rolling. She's seen the visions. And even though she knows the visions aren't always 100% true, she can kind of see where it's going. And she's a little afraid to get involved because she knows what the Volturi are capable of. So I feel like it's a combination of fear and kind of just realizing that Edward has a mission and nothing she's going to do is going to be able to stop him by herself, you know? Like, I don't think, I, I think she knows that Edward wouldn't maybe listen to just her. Yeah, so how does Bella being there help the situation? I mean, he'll see that she's not dead. And then maybe he'll have a reason to live. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. I was just kind of a little bit confused because you were like, she's afraid of them. And I'm like, well, Bella's not going to help. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking like, like if, if she showed up and Edward is like, I don't know what, what would be theatrical for Edward, like doing a performance of Phantom of the Opera in the middle of Italy and sparkling. I don't know. Um, but I was thinking like, if she showed up to try and help him, the Volturi would think that she's, associated and kill her too but also if she showed up and edward hadn't started and she's like hey bella's not dead she's alive actually like would edward believe her you know she could just be saying that yeah good point good point okay did you have any other thoughts from this chapter i don't think so i think i guess the only other thing is like, why why do you think Rosalie did what she did? 
I mean, I know why she did what she did, so I can't really answer that question. But why do you think? I don't know. I mean, like, in my mind, I, like, what I feel like Stephanie would go for is that she's kind of, like, rubbing it in his face in a way or, like, like saying, like, well, it's over now, so we can get things back to normal. But I, I like, don't want to believe that Rosalie is that despicable, you know? Yeah, that's fair. All in due time. Mm. So the craziest thing is that we, after this episode that you're currently listening to, only have four episodes left of this book. So for next week, we're going to be reading chapters 19 and 20. And the titles of those are Race and Volterra. What do you think? I mean, you pretty much have already said what you think is going to happen, Paige, but what do you think is going to happen? Well, Race is interesting because in the last book, or the last two books, Race was them, or I guess Race was, was there a Race in Twilight? I can't remember. I feel like there was. At least in Midnight Sun, there was a chapter called Race, and that was like, a literal race, you know, the Cullens driving to try and get to James while he's with Bella, you know, it was very high anxiety, high pressure, them trying to get to the the location as fast as possible. I think it's going to be parallel to that, almost like a mirror of that, you know, Alice and Bella trying to get to Italy as fast as they can using whatever means, you know, or get it when they get to Italy, like trying to locate and see what's happening. Volturi, I mean, leads me to think that we're going to get a, a firsthand look at the Volturi. I mean, I I know very little about them. So I think we're going to get some, like, good details, some, I think, descriptions of them, maybe where they live, what they're like. I'm I'm excited for that chapter specifically because I really don't know that much about them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool, exciting. Well... We've come to the end of our time together once again, folks. (laughs) We hope that you'll reach out to us on social media, share the memes, share your thoughts, share your feedback. We're on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are For Twilight. We are on Twitter at TaftPod, T-A-F-T-Pod. You can always send us an email, like the one that we got from Barack Obama, (laughs) at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. wasn't really from Barack Obama, but it's fine. Um... And then, as we were talking about earlier, a Netflix party is coming up in three days from when you hear this. So you can become a patron on patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. Or you can send us proof of donation to the Quileute Move to Higher Ground movement. And their movement is located at mthg.org. Paige, over to you. Okay, guys, it's holiday season coming up. Various holidays. So I know you all know it, but I'll just emphasize it. Shop local. And shop or buy um, like black owned from black owned stores, too, if you can. Or even just people of color owned stores, you know. Absolutely. Support support local economies, support local artists, people. Your money going to people in your community just enhances your community. Amen. We'll see you all next week for chapters 19 and 20 of New Moon. Bye, guys. Bye. 
Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. 